exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. In the MSU community, and now, tonight's exposure. This is Impact Exposure. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, today we got a great show lined up for you. In a little bit we'll be talking with uh, some folks from the Riverwalk Theater, talk about their uh, two productions, actually, Maybe Baby, It's You, and uh, Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, before we get to any of that, though, we're speaking here with uh, John, talking about uh, The Nutcracker. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank so you go for ahead having te- me. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, your production of The Nutcracker. Well, this is The Nutcracker, which is... Um performed at the Wharton Center every Thanksgiving weekend uh, for over 25 years we've been doing this and this is the Children's Ballet Theater of Michigan Mm -hmm. and we have actually four performances three public performances and one school performance and the public performances are Friday and Saturday at 7.30 Sunday at 2 and then the school show uh, is on Monday at 10 a.m. Very cool. So now this is you've been doing this, you said, for 25 years, right? Yeah, I think this is over 25 years. Not oh. at the Wharton Center for 25 years, but uh, in the community for over 25 years. I see. What do you, what do you attribute the longevity to? Oh, a uh, love of dance, a love of the performing arts in the community, and um, the, the skill and dedication of the parent volunteers and the young dancers in the company. And um, I think that we have a very rich dance culture in this community mm-hmm. and a number of dance schools. And this organization pulls from all of these dance schools around the area, and uh, it is a performance company, a production company. We do two major performances a year, one in the fall and one in the spring, Mm -hmm. and there's a summer program. So I think the richness of bringing all those people together has created uh, quite a long run of it. Very cool. Now, you you mentioned this is the Children's Ballet Theater. Correct. Uh, What what are some of the unique, uh, I don't want to say challenges, but what are some of the the, the things that make a a children's performance of, uh, of the Nutcracker unique? Well, first of all, I think people are quite surprised to see the level of performing. Mm. Um, this company is ages 8 to 18. So we have some very young dancers who um, are, are coming up and getting getting technical training and um, uh, growing in the company. But we also have some very accomplished dancers who have been dancing most of their lives. In fact, most of our dancers start at the age of 3 or 4 or 5. Wow. And um, they have studied ballet seriously. The company requires that dancers take a certain number of ballet classes and technical classes through outside companies and outside schools during the year. So the level is quite surprising. I think when people see the show, they think, which it typically happens, children, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not prepared for the level of technical proficiency and artistry that actually happens on the stage. And now, is this uh, sort of a proving ground for more for a, a future career in dance, or is, do you find this is something people do just out of a passion? Probably most of our dancers will will not go on and study dance in college or performing companies, but some will. Mm-hmm. And it is a proving ground for that. It is a, a professional training ground for dancers who want to have a career in dance. Many dancers will go on and, and study dance or continue to dance, but maybe not um, hoping for a professional career. But we always have a few who want to go on and dance professionally, and will be, um, in fact, we have three graduating seniors this year, and all three of them, no, excuse me, four graduating seniors this year, and all four of them have been taking auditions for um, colleges and companies, so it's going to be interesting to see what goes, what, what happens in their future. Sure, sure, yeah, they, apparently the, the Nutcracker looking good on a resume. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so now, uh, as far as the as far as the production itself, I know that... Uh, you know, different plays, different musicals, different productions, such as the Nutcracker. Always, you know, trying. You always try and put your own kind of spin on it. What What makes this particular production unique? That's and in great, addition, in addition to being a children's theater, and that's a great question because um, when you do the Nutcracker every year, you want to have something unique to each show. And um, we have a, a very creative and um, um, energetic and hardworking artistic director who also choreographs the performances, and that's Gregory M. George. And um, he's always thinking. <laughs> about how to make the show 
different each year. Uh, one of the signature uh, marks of making the show different is, I don't know if you know the story, um, most people do, but there is, um, you know, there's a rat king. Mm-hmm. And the rat king is done away with by the nutcracker um, at some point in the in the storyline. And we always try to figure out a new way to get rid of that rat king. Ah. And we have a, a new way this year, which we can't, of course, tell anybody no, don't about. don't want to give it all yeah, away. You've got to go to the show <laughs> and find out. But, but um, that's one of the things we do. Plus, one of the, one of the, the things that, Gregory George does, which I really admire and, and we can't thank him enough for, is he tries to create opportunities for these dancers to dance. Hmm. And he's always creating roles that aren't traditional to Nutcracker, but gives young dancers an opportunity to actually do more, to stretch them, to challenge them, to ask them to be more artistic and to do more technical things. So he's, he usually adds extra pieces into the performance to give more opportunities for our young dancers to have, have a chance to really dance. So is that uh, something you don't see as much in other children's theaters? or, or what's what, no, what, 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 Why I is that unique? More, I think that um, most companies, uh, children or, or professional, um, will... Stay pretty strict to the storyline, I think. Mm. Um, we take some liberties, but we don't mind taking those liberties because it gives our dancers, and we have such a strong technical company right now, and so many dancers who really need to be dancing, that um, that it gives them a chance to really do do more. Sure. Now, uh, you mentioned that the choreography is something that's also uh, one of his one of his hallmarks. Uh, mm-hmm. I see that on the on the poster there as well. Uh, so, uh, you, know, you you said you added a little bit to the storyline with how the how the Nutcracker does away with the Rat King. What what kind of choreography? sets this apart well let's see what can i say without giving too much away um <laughs> it happens during uh you know, the story you know is um is, is is there's a party at clara's house and uh, she falls asleep well actually drosselmeyer who and some storylines is an uncle um uncle drosselmeyer comes by and he's a toy maker he introduces all these dolls and magical things to the party and when she falls asleep she starts to dream the sequence of dreams we think it's a dream. Maybe it's real. We don't know. <laughs> and, um, and of course, the toys grow big, and the rat doll grows into a big rat king, the nutcracker doll into a big nutcracker. Um, and there occurs this battle where the soldiers and the rats and the mice all, f- all fight in Clara's dream. And that battle is, um, is really one of the signature choreographic moments of our, of our performance each year. And um, it's always unique. It's always different. It always introduces new props and set elements. And, of course, as I mentioned, the, the Rat King dies a different way each year. Mm-hmm. I can say that in the past, we've had a chandelier fall on him. We've had him um, roll off the front of the stage into an abysmal pit. <laughs> um, we've done a variety of things like that. So, um, so we, the choreography is usually very fresh. Mm. Um, also... Um, he choreographs to to he's very strong at choreographing to the skills of each dancer and to their unique strengths, and so um, that makes for quite an interesting show each year because as our dancers grow, they're they're a little different each year. We have some who graduate, and we have new ones coming up, and um, so each year it's a little bit different just because of that. So now that that brings an interesting question to my mind. You said you have uh, dancers from the ages of eight to eighteen. Yes. So when it comes time to pick different people for different parts. I mean, I would assume you just want, oh, you want the older ones to be the, all the main roles, but you, that wouldn't be fair to the younger ones either. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, there are, historically in the company, there have been certain parts of the show that are danced by, by certain age dancers. We actually have three levels of dancers in the company, and these are technical levels, level one, level two, level three. And typically the younger the dancer, the, the, they're in the, one of the lower 
age group levels, not mm-hmm. lower necessary technical levels, but that's true too, because as we grow and mature, we also become stronger dancers. Mm-hmm. And um, so certain certain roles, certain pieces of the performance, certain divertissements or, or areas of the, of the total ballet are danced traditionally by different groups. For instance, um, Mother Ginger is, a, a, is part of the, the, the second act, and this is this bigger-than-life, large Mother Ginger person who comes out on stage, and it's, it's traditionally danced by a male dancer who's all made up in, you know, as Mother Ginger. And our younger dancers always dance that divertissement, hmm. whereas our... Um, our oldest dancers will dance some of the major roles like Waltz, um, Sugar Plum, Snow Queen, which are which are have a higher, really quite a high technical level, and then our middle-aged dancers will dance certain things like Angels and various roles like that. But our principal roles um, can be really any age. Uh, Fritz and Clara are the young young children of the family, and they they can be danced by level one, level two, or level three. Depends mm-hmm. on how he casts it. Interesting. So now, when it comes time to to gauge a level, what? How do you how do you know who's a level one to level three? Well, I'm not the artistic director. Okay. Right now, you know. I'm a flute player, you know. <laughs> I see. So, uh, so it's a little different for me to be able to talk too proficiently about this. Mm-hmm. But but generally, it's based on technical ability. There there are a variety of requirements that a dancer must meet to get into the company. Um, and then, based on um, um, what they can do with the technical levels of ballet, they're progressed through different levels of the company. Hmm, I see. And you mentioned that you yourself are a flute player. Uh, is there what is what could be what is done sort of in the, in the orchestral pit to make this unique as well? We were talking about the dancing being unique and the storyline. What what on the music end? Well, unfortunately, we we aren't at a budget level to to bring in a, a, a an orchestra. So we oh. use we use recorded music. Oh, okay. Um, we have um, wanted to bring an orchestra in for years. It's uh, it's an expensive proposition, um, and and someday we hope we can do that. And um, so we use recorded music, and we bring different elements into the to the score by bringing in different pieces hmm. from sometimes other composers other than Tchaikovsky. Oh, so um, so we expand it that way. The wonderful. Um, reality of having an orchestra, if it were to ever happen, would be that we could do much, much more with how we we adapt the score and adapt the tempos to to what we want to do. Um, with recorded music, of course, we're stuck with the tempo of the recorded music, and um, and it's it's much much more difficult to to expand the the depth of the show with uh, with recorded music because we can't do as much. Um, as an example, if we want to do something choreographically or to advance the storyline, given that we want to change how the story progresses from year to year mm-hmm. or a little bit or put new elements in, with a live orchestra, we can just go into the score and, and jump from one place to another place and uh, or you know increase or decrease tempos. Not possible with recorded music as easily. I would assume that would be a little more beneficial to, to younger dancers who are sort of still learning the ropes. That it, it, As they're doing the performance, it's a little easier to know where your places are when the music is going along. Or, or is that what you say that's not the case? With or without recorded music. Oh, with recorded music. Yeah, so well, you get into... Um, there, are, there are fewer variables entered into the equation sure. because... Um, even though we would hope that uh, all conductors are are brilliant with keeping tempos consistent, sometimes those things can change Mm -hmm. and musicians can miss entrances or something like that could happen. But that's also the the wonderful part of live performing. And, um, you know, that makes it even more exciting when you're actually on stage. So there is the advantage to keeping things very constant for younger dancers, but the disadvantage is that the freshness of each performance isn't quite the same. Sure. Well, now, personally speaking, what is it that you enjoy about working with the children's theater versus uh, just a professional theater or any kind of other theater? 
Well, as you might imagine, I have children in the in the organization. I mean, all of us who volunteer as parents have most of us have will have children in the organization or have had children in the organization. I actually have three dancing this year. Wow. Um, so I'm kind of uh, you know the hooks are deep in me right now, <laughs> and I've been with the organization for about ten years. Um, I actually love it, hmm. and it becomes um, for us and our family it becomes a way for our family to do things together. Because when we spend every weekend at Children's Ballet Theater from, let's say, 12 to 7 on Saturday and 12 to 7 on Sunday, um, we're all there, mm. the whole family, um, working on, on this, this project. And it's a very nice way to, to do something that's incredibly constructive and, and, and very creative as a family. So that's one thing I love about it. The other thing is um, it becomes, in a way, um, a fellowship of people working toward a common goal that I very much appreciate. I mean, I came to this university 15 years ago to start the community music school. Mm -hmm. So I have personally a real vested interest in community arts and in, in helping any community and members of the community have a chance to be participants in the arts mm -hmm. rather than just consumers of the arts. And I believe in that very much. So this gives everybody, whether they're a dancer or a volunteer working backstage or, or, or a parent working behind the scenes selling tickets, or all those elements are part of a live production. And so everybody becomes a participant in the arts. And that's a very exciting thing from my perspective. Um, but ultimately, the greatest part of this is everybody working together to do something of value that enhances the community, mm. and then we all pull together and feel quite close to each other when you spend that much time and uh, do something of such quality. Excellent. So it's, it's quite exciting. Well, now you mentioned that your your family is, is deeply involved with this. Very much so. Do you, do you tend to see that uh, among other performers, too, that they have siblings in it or their their parents are, are, are have their hands in it, or is it just kind of a solo effort usually? Well, you know, if you have a dancer in the company, then you have to have a, a level of participation as a volunteer. That's part of the requirement mm. of being a member of the company. Mm. So the parents run the company. The only paid professional staff are artistic. So all the administration, all the production, all of that is done by volunteers. So, yes, family members are very involved. But do other siblings get involved? That, that's kind of a family decision. For us, um, it's worked. Mm -hmm. out that way. Uh, for other families, we have um, one of our principal dancers um, this year is one of our male dancers is dancing many roles and his brother's a star football player. So, you oh. know, they're, they're both athletes <laughs> sure. in different ways. And so some families do different things. Some families do things together. It, it depends on the family. Hmm. And then you mentioned, of course, about the, the benefit to the art community itself. What, what do you see, uh, you know, uh, groups like the, the Children's Ballet Theater contributing to the arts community in Lansing, which is a very large community. Uh, what, what do you see is, is, the, is the value in a theater such as this? To the community? Mm -hmm. um, I think it enhances the, the, the life of the community in a variety of ways. I mean, and th there's so many ways to look at that. Anytime you create a, a possibility for, for young people to vent their, their creative nature in a productive way, I think you've enhanced the community, period. Mm. Um, also, there is, there's the economic impact of any arts organization to the community because we bring people to the Wharton Center, and, of course, those folks are going to buy tickets. And they're supporting the Wharton Center. They're supporting the Children's Ballet Theater. They're going out to eat afterwards. So there's that whole economic side of it. But I think the greatest value is, and this is, of course, my opinion, mm -hmm. is giving anybody, any young person especially, a chance to to be valued in in a way that's not typically valued in our society. I mean, we we value a lot of things, mm -hmm. um, 
and um, this is something that 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 causes our our young professionals, and we treat them very much like young professionals, a chance to really reach very deeply into themselves and and produce something that's of a very high level, and I think that raises the the the, the cultural standard of the community and the expectations of the community that our children can do things that we don't give them credit for on a regular basis. And I think that educational process to the community is very valuable. What is it that you, you mentioned the educational process? What what is the what is that process for the children's ballet theater? Well, there I'm, I'm looking at it in two ways. Um, for the children, mm-hmm. and, and you know these are some some of these children are 17, pushing 18 years old, so we hardly think of them as children mm-hmm. at that point. Um, I think, in, and I, maybe I'm speaking more as a parent or an arts educator in this way, but I think the process of education is is varied. One is that they're they're just getting basic, wonderful dance training. They're learning how to be on stage, how to present themselves, how to be professionals, you know, and how to just be good dancers. Mm-hmm. But there's also the side of that um, with young people that, that that is different than just the technical training and the artistic training, but it's the, the, the self-discipline, the, the finding out about yourself, the growth process that occurs when you work hard toward any goal to do something of quality. The other side of that is the education of the community. Um, I'll give you another example of, of how people usually view children in the arts, and that's that it's going to be, you know, simplistic. Mm-hmm. And it might be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a terrific uh, children's choir here at Michigan State University. I don't know if you know about them. They actually won two Grammys a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Um, and many times when we would have performances, people would come up to us afterwards and say, I can't believe it. I can't believe they sound so professional, so mm-hmm. wonderful, and I thought it was going to be children. And I think we do a great service to the community to remind people mm-hmm. that that children are smart, talented, dedicated, and wonderful beings who can create great works of art if given the chance and the right right training. Yeah, and it sounds like this is a great venue for that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it sounds like, it, just from what you've been saying, that it's... it's uh, it's a great environment for that to, to exist, rather than just you know, well, let's just let them have fun. I mean, you're you're providing like a structure essentially. We are providing a structure. Um, we don't rip the fun out of it though, no, because no. it's a great social environment, and the kids have a terrific time. They love it. I mean, they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, they they devote so much time. Uh, you know, let's say it's twelve to fifteen hours a weekend, and um, or more. Plus, they have to be in classes during the week, so it's a it's a big process for them, and they they really love it, or they wouldn't be there. That's excellent. Well, it's the, uh, the the Nutcracker performance for for uh, for fall two thousand seven. Nutcracker fall two thousand seven at the Wharton Center. And um, uh, when and where can people get tickets? Well, right now tickets are available at the Wharton Center. Okay. So one eight hundred Wharton, and you can buy tickets there at the door um, a couple hours before the performance. And uh, the performances are again this Friday and Saturday at seven thirty and Sunday at two p.m. Excellent. Of course, more info at the WhartonCenter dot com. Absolutely, and at uh, and at our website, which is a uh, www.cbtdance.org. Excellent. All right, well, uh, John, thanks so much for coming in and telling us all about the Nutcracker. It's great to be here. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a moment with more Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, and we are back with more Impact Exposure. In case you missed our last segment, of course, all of our shows are available on the Impact Podcast at impact89fm.org. You can just click on the uh, podcast link and then go down to Exposure, and all of our shows are available right there for more information. Uh, switching gears now, we're speaking with uh, Tom Ferris. I'm here to talk about uh, Maybe Baby It's You, uh, a local presentation here. In, 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 it's an old town, is that right? Yeah, old town Lansing. That's Excellent. Correct. Okay, well, go ahead and tell us what Maybe Baby It's You is all about. Well, this is a, a play about people trying to find each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ranges from uh, junior high school, where a person is trying to find the lab mate of her heart, oh. all the way to uh, a divorced couple watching their grandchildren playing soccer and f- trying to decide whether or not it was a good idea to get divorced and what their relationship's all about at that point. Oh, interesting. Um, series of 10 different um, small scenes uh, in which we explore all those aspects. Excellent. So now, is this chronological? Are you starting with the youngest and moving oh, forward? No, no, it just bounces uh, back and forth. Oh. What I've done is, um, in casting this play, I cast uh, four area theater couples, mm. uh, uh, husband and wives um, that are involved with theater throughout the area, and um, having them play, uh, I think there's something like 20 or 30 characters in the entire uh, set of 10 scenes. Oh, wow. So these are actual couples playing different playing, couples' yes. parts. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometimes I have them playing opposite each other, uh, their own uh, uh, partner. Sometimes I have them playing opposite somebody else. Oh, uh, it's a uh, matter interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, it really allows them an opportunity to explore their relationship. Um, although the play is very light, very funny, um, there's really no real deep meaning unless you want to think about it an awful lot. So it's kind of a light, fun show. A lot, light, fun show. That's what it is. Very cool. So now, we, where do you find couples to get involved with this? You mentioned you, well, you, th- you these are folks uh, that have been involved with theater in the area. Yeah. Um, myself, I'm, I grew up in Lansing and got started at the Okemos Barn Theater uh, back when I was in high school. And so I've been uh, probably 40 years involved with theater in the area. And these uh, range from my junior high school teacher, uh, oh, wow. uh, Bill Helder and his wife, Lee, all the way to to uh, a young couple that just moved to the area, and um, he just graduated from Michigan State last semester. Excellent. And so um, they're, they've been involved with theater. Um, I've got even, I used to be a teacher in Lansing, and one of my students and his wife uh, are in this show too. So it's, wow. it's just a mixture of folks. So now, is there any similarity between the the, cup, the, the folks playing these couples and the couple stories themselves? Uh, I hope not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for example, one of the scenes involves a blind date. Uh, a, a, a man is trying to... Um, um, meet a woman in the bar and uh, unfortunately the uh, woman he's about to meet is Medea um, who has just broken up with Jason the Argonaut and um, <laughs> has been banished from Greece, and she's looking for a mate, too. So it's um, a, a bit different. Yeah, certainly, uh, you may not have any similarity between the Argonauts and the actual actors. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So now, is this, uh, is this an, uh, an original presentation, or is this something that you, you got from somewhere else? Uh, actually, uh, the play was written, I, I think it's about uh, 10 years old. Uh, mm. It was first bro- uh, produced off-Broadway. Uh, a husband and wife actually wrote the play and, and then played all the parts themselves. Um, but I've expanded it into having four different couples do it. So um, when we look for shows uh, at Riverwalk Theater, and, and that's the organization that's putting on the play, mm-hmm. when we look for shows, uh, we ask directors to uh, just um, look for various projects, and then 
and they submit it to our theater, and we select uh, uh, what shows uh, will go up in a season. And this is one that uh, actually my wife uh, found as she was leafing through some shows brought it to my attention, and um, it was a funny show, so we decided to do it. So is that the reason they, you think they picked it for this season, is just the, that it's kind of a light, fun show? Yeah, it's or? a light, fun show. We like to have a mixture of things, and uh, this one's a light, fun show, uh, the first of our three shows that we have going up in what we call our Black Box series mm. at the Creole Gallery. So now what is the Black Box series? Well, the Black Box series is a, a series of shows that are uh, low-budget, um, use no uh, scenery or very minimal scenery, mm. and are done in a 12 by 12 space at the Creole Gallery. Um, they're uh, generally uh, thought-provoking shows, uh, although this one doesn't provoke a lot of thought, hopefully <laughs> provoke a lot of humor, um, but uh, generally shows that uh, are a little offbeat that we wouldn't no- normally do at our main stage. Mm. So it gives you a chance to kind of experiment? Kind of, yes, exactly that. Mm. We can experiment. So now, what's what's the the reason behind doing a, a series like that? I mean, give an opportunity, um, really, an opportunity to uh, give our directors a chance to use their talents and stretch their talents, as well as give our audiences a, a bit of a different view. Hmm. Uh, at our main stage, we usually do about eight shows, and they range all the way from uh, serious drama to well, we just uh, closed uh, the Best Man, which was a political drama, which was uh, hmm. nice, and we're just about ready to open Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, which is a children's show. But anyway, we have a wide range of things there, but never a niche for a director to really try to push the limits. And so the black box gives us the opportunity to, at least three times a year, try to push the limits. Excellent. And, of course, for our Impact listeners, we'll be uh, talking about Rumpelstiltskin in our next segment. But, oh, uh, there you go. Stick around for that one. But uh, <laughs> before we get to that, uh, so I'm still kind of curious about this, the, the black box uh, concept. Now, you mentioned that it's, it's uh, kind of sparse scenery, if, if any, yes. really. I would have to assume that that puts a lot of, um, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of a lot more uh, importance, I guess, on, on acting. It, it focuses where it is. It focuses it on the actors and the acting uh, and, and what uh, what we can evoke from that. Um, that we're doing three shows there. Um, we're doing uh, this one, and then later on this season, um, in I, I believe it's in January, February, we're doing Night Mother, which is a very serious drama. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing a, a show called Thunder at Dawn in April, which is a um, sort of a... a moving the um, crucifixion scene into modern times with oh, wow. three soldiers worrying about whether they should have executed a, a political prisoner. Um, so, again, uh, really pushes it. Yeah. Some real intense emotions uh, usually come out in this uh, series. So I guess my show is a bit out of the ordinary for the black box. <laughs> Certainly. There you go. Experimenting within the experiment. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so now I'd, I'd, I would have to assume that the actors enjoy that, that they enjoy having, you know, I mean, being more, even more on stage, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It really is an actor showcase. Um, uh, gives them an opportunity to display their art. And we've got uh, just a tremendous number of uh, good actors in the uh, Lansing, East Lansing uh, area. Just tremendous. Well, and of course, for this particular presentation, you've got real couples pre- playing other couples. So. Well, uh, it's, it, it helped me as a director because I could say, go home and learn your lines, and they had somebody there to learn the lines with uh, <laughs> immediately. But it also, um, it was really interesting to see how they could uh, play off each other um, as they were going through these various scenes and, um, and get back to the reality of the, of the show. So it, was, it, it has been interesting. So do you find that these, the real couples put their own kind of uh, flavor of their own relationship into these relationships? I think, that, I think there's an element of that, although I'm, I'm not sure I'll ever know uh, because <laughs> there's such characters we have here. One of the other scenes has, it's called uh, uh, Dream Lovers, where a woman's been dreaming about her lover to come to her in this um, TGI Friday. Um, and he turns out to be a Spanish uh, um, uh, flamingo dancer. Um, but things aren't quite right 
um, and they go through the whole scene trying to make the reality live up to the dream that they've had. Wow. Um, so it's, um, but still quite funny. Sure, sure. Now, I mean, uh, I, you mentioned a moment ago about, uh, you know, one scene involving Jason the Argonauts, and then yes. now this is a TGI Fridays. I mean, where where doesn't this story go? <laughs> it sounds like it's got <laughs> it's a lot over. of different elements. It's all over. Uh, as I said, mentioned, the junior high school is, is one, and we've got one poor guy who uh, is at a wedding reception, and um, he's a bit of an unusual dancer. Hmm. And so every time somebody tries to dance with him, he scares them off with his particular dance steps. But in the last scene, he finds someone who is just as unusual as he is. And I, and I guess the point is, the point the play is trying to make is, no matter how weird, different, no matter who you are, there's always somebody out there for you. So now, uh, not, you to give, to look for them. not to give anything away, but does everybody find their, their love? or? Um, in the end, for the most part, yes. Okay. There, are, there are a few that uh, they're not really sure uh, based on what they see. But uh, in the end, for the most part, yes. So it's not a dark comedy of you no, know, rejection no, no, and all no, that. This no, is a no, lot no. lighter. <laughs> it's all, it's, it's, it's uh, everybody, um, everybody will have a good time. So you mentioned that this was uh, brought to you by, by your wife, is yes. that right? Mm -hmm. So you know, I, I know we mentioned that it's kind of a light show. Is that what initially drew her to it and, and you as well, or was there something else about it? Well, we were looking around for projects uh, to introduce to the theater, and uh, yeah, she was just uh, online uh, going through some scripts, and uh, I think she was attracted by the humor, too. And then our play selection committee also reads the scripts, and they apparently thought it was fairly funny, so um, that's how I ended well, up doing it. must have been kind of impressed by it, given that this is a little different than most of the black box stuff. Yes, then. yes. Uh, I think they maybe looking for something uh, a little light to open up the show. I suppose and it's kind of near the holiday season, too, so maybe you kind of keep it light in there. And, and I think that it? was the case. Excellent. Uh, the case. So now, uh, what other what other presentations have you been involved with, with uh, Riverwalk? Well, actually, I'm the president of the board for Riverwalk Theater, oh. and so my responsibility is, quite frankly, is to uh, um, kind of oversee everything <laughs> that's going on down there. So I get involved with quite a bit. I, um, I have had the opportunity to direct several shows. The most recent one I directed was uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, oh, yeah. which was in our Stages of the Law uh, series that was presented in connection with Cooley uh, Law School uh, last year. And mm. so uh, I, I like to do most of my work backstage. I spend a lot of time in the scene shop, building scenery, designing uh, stuff. I spend time uh, designing lights. But um, basically, I like to get involved with almost everything that's going on. So you got a hand in everything. I, I guess I, as a president, I, you have to. I, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> but now is that, does it beg the question, of course, if the president brings a, a, a story to them, well, does it have to go in? But that's always the question, but I've had some of my projects turned down, too. So, oh, okay. Uh, so it's fair. Yeah, it's, it's fair. <laughs> so now, is, is, we mentioned that there's a different series. Of course, we have Black Box. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the, the, the law series Stages as well. Stages of the law, yes. of the law excuse me. Uh, is there a, an overall theme for Riverwalk as well, something that, that, that they're trying to per bring through with each uh, different presentation, or they keep it within each series? Well, keep it within each series. Uh, our overall mission uh, is to uh, um, provide uh, quality theater uh, to the Lansing area. That's our, we're a service organization to bring quality theater to the Lansing area. And we've got a long tradition of quality children's shows, which we take uh, very seriously um, in, uh, in presenting those shows. We just entered into this collaboration with Cooley Law School, Bors Head Theater and LCC on the stages of the law. And then um, uh, Robert Busby, uh, late Robert Busby, when he opened the Creole Gallery, we were looking for an opportunity there to um, uh, bring some art, uh, additional arts to the North Lansing area. Mm -hmm. And so um, we've just been, I think we've been trying to see as many interconnections we can have uh, with the community and with uh, community arts organizations. Excellent. Well, I, I asked uh, our, our previous guest, uh, John from the uh, Children's Ballet Theater, the same question, so I'll, I'll ask you as well. Uh, what is it that you feel that the Riverwalk Theater provides to the art community in Lansing? Like, what 
is what makes it unique? Uh, well, we're unique in terms, I think, of uh, the staging uh, that we have. We're the thrust theater uh, versus the other uh, theaters, which are primarily proscenium theaters, which means our audience, uh, our main stage has 240 seats, mm -hmm. and we bring the stage right out into the middle of the audience. And the same thing with the black box. Mm -hmm. We're... We, um, I think our major contribution to the arts scene is the variety we bring. Um, we, these are directors' projects. We allow the directors um, um, full reign in what they do, but we bring a wide variety to the scene. And sometimes um, that appeals to part of our audience instead of other parts of our audience. We just uh, closed a full Monty. Oh, yeah. Um, they were on um, a show as well. September, yeah. right. And that was, uh, that was attractive to part of our audience, but not to other parts sure, of sure. our audience, <laughs> which is fine. Um, and and, and that, I think that's what we do. We try to bring the widest variety we can and quality shows. Hmm. Uh, uh, to the area. Cool. So now uh, you mentioned the, the, the staging is, is sort of your, your unique thing. So yes. I'd like to, to go a little bit more into that. What, mm -hmm. what exactly does that mean? Why, why is that something that, that would set a theater apart from any other theater? Well, um, the general theater experience, uh, a Broadway experience, is that you're probably uh, 50 to 100 feet away from the stage. And mm -hmm. so you rely on a bigger picture. In, in our uh, particular configuration, uh, the f audience member that's furthest away from the stage is probably 20 feet away from the stage. Oh, wow. And so the, the uh, actors are right there uh, in front of the uh, audience. You're right there in their space, seeing what they're going through. And I think that communicates a different f uh, feeling uh, as the audience is sitting there. Um, sometimes it's a very intense feeling, uh, as with The Best Man We Just Closed, which is a political uh, drama, and you um, have some very strong feelings about one character versus the other character. Sometimes it's just the audience participation that you're going to talk about with Rumpelstiltskin, mm -hmm. where the actors actually get off the stage and right up in the audience <laughs> and uh, with some of their chase scenes and right. uh, get the uh, people involved. It, it's, it's just a very... That, that close connection that we can make with the audience member because they are so close and we're right there in the middle of them. Well, and how does that play into the actor, the, uh, the actors? I mean, do they do they feel like the audience is involved with the the play? Or? It's, it's it's a very uh, um, intense experience for the actors because the actors um, can't make a mistake. There's no place to hide. <laughs> <laughs> you're there on stage and you're within ten feet or five feet of uh, an audience member, and so if you're not real. Uh, they know. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's no place to hide. You haven't got distance to help hide uh, the falseness of your characters. <laughs> and so it's um, it's a very intense experience for our actors. And um, um, quite frankly, I think most of them live up to it. Do you think they enjoy it? Is that oh, something they, they, they live absolutely. on? Absolutely. Um, at least the folks that uh, I'm working with uh, in Maybe Baby, um, they're, they're veterans and uh, they uh, they live for that uh, connection <laughs> they can make with the audience. It, the applause is good at the end, too. Mm -hmm. But it's that connection they can make in the meantime time, getting the audience to laugh at the right time, sure. getting the audience to um, uh, identify with them. That, that's always a great experience. It always seems to me that, you know, we've, we've had various uh, you know, theater groups on here before, and it always seems that actors seem to thrive on a challenge, and it sounds oh, like yes. that's a pretty unique one. It, well, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it is unique. And especially when you're at the black boxes, uh, as we are here, uh, even the minimal scenery that we have at Riverwalk is not there. Oh, and yeah. so uh, you have just very small set pieces. Like in, in this show, we have a bar and a table and two chairs. That's it. Everything else is created by the actor. Hmm. And so that's quite a challenge to get that audience to pull into the story and see everything. Now, of course, we add lights and sound, sure. which uh, helps quite a bit, too. But it's still a challenge to pull the audience in. And when they can do that, what a good feeling. <laughs> well, now, uh, so, so to back up, talking about the, uh, the, the presentation itself, of course, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it's you. If anyone's just joining us, uh, what is it that you hope that, that the audience kind of takes away from this? 
I just hope they have a good time. Yeah, just, just that's a, a fun that's evening. It. That's <laughs> it. Just a fun evening. Come and laugh a bit. Um, we've augmented the uh, show with a slideshow of uh, about 60 uh, different uh, famous and infamous uh, <laughs> uh, theater couples, um, many of them that are local uh, celebrities uh, that have been involved with theater, and uh, many um, that, well, aren't local. For example, we start out with Adam and Eve, okay. which is the first theater couple. <laughs> Maybe not I local, guess. but uh... yes, right. <laughs> but uh, we have a, a slideshow that uh, is in between the scenes uh, to kind of break that up. And I think the the audience is going to have a good time watching the uh, play and watching the slides and uh, trying to identify well, who is that. I've seen them on a stage someplace before. Uh, who is that? So. <laughs> So that goes in between each of the ten. In, in between stories. each of the scenes, yes, Very that's cool. correct. So now, wh- why why the slideshow? Where did that idea come from? Well, uh, again, I'm going to uh, yield to my wife. Uh, <laughs> it was her idea to. Um, um, come up with these uh, various pictures. And, and it's a, also a tribute uh, to the various folks that have built theater in the mm-hmm. area. Um, a couple of the folks in the play, uh, Kevin and Tanya Burnham, are actually the artistic uh, directors of the Grand Ledge Theater. Um, uh, and so they are uh, involved here. Um, let's see, I've got Kanye and I've got uh, uh, Veronica and Joe Quick. Um, in their contributions, Veronica directed uh, Full Monty. Oh. And Joe's been in uh, uh, several area shows. And I've got Bill and Lee Helder, and he's been a longtime uh, director. Um, uh, and, and so, oh, and then finally, I've got Leanne Deffelson and uh, Rick Deffelson. Uh, Leanne is the president of the Lansing Civic Players. Oh, and so wow. it's, it's sort of a tribute to the couples that have uh, contributed to uh, building up the show. Yeah, it's kind of a helping with that community more. Building with the community, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, going back and forth, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> so, so this is uh, maybe baby it's you of course at uh, is is that at Riverwalk Theater at no, Black Box Theater it's at the Creole Gallery the Creole in North Gallery. Lansing uh, which is on Turner Street uh, just off Grand River in North Lansing okay and when can people uh, check it out uh, uh, this is going to open the day after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, Friday night uh, the twenty third and that's at eight o'clock and Saturday at eight o'clock also Sunday we have a matinee oh. at two o'clock and then we play two weekends it'll play the following weekend as well excellent and of course uh, tickets are available how tickets are available uh, people can call Riverwalk Theater four eight two five seven Seven zero zero, and you can reserve tickets. Excellent. Well, again, thanks so much for coming by and telling us all about the show. I appreciate it. All right, and uh, best of luck. Break a leg, I suppose. Break a leg. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. All right, we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure.
We do a podcast every every uh, exposure show on our website at impact89fm.org. You can just click on the uh, the podcast link and then scroll down to exposure, and all of our shows are right there, and you can ca- you can get all caught up. So uh, we were just speaking with uh, some folks from uh, the Riverwalk Theater. Now, of course, we're, we've got a new crop of folks in, uh, from Riverwalk to talk about a, a different production. Uh, this one, uh, Rempel Stiltskin. We're sitting here with uh, Jane and Mark, both uh, putting on that show, the director and uh, assistant director, uh, respectively. So thanks a lot for, for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for asking us. So now, uh, you know, most of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the story of Rumble Stiltskin, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit about what makes your production unique? Well, uh, this actually was written by Stan Gill, who went to MSU a million years ago uh, or so and had kind of his own little renegade theater and wrote some children's shows. And he's written quite a few of the children's shows that we've done at Riverwalk. And uh, they're all relatively short, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes they have jokes for the parents because every child comes with a chauffeur. That's mm-hmm. what I always say. <laughs> and uh, and have music and uh, chase scenes, and it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's kind of a kind of a a fun version of the basic fairy tale story. Mm-hmm. And uh, in case people are confused, this the two shows are going on at the same time, uh, all produced by Riverwalk. The one that that was in the previous show, this mm-hmm. Maybe Baby one, is at the Creole Gallery, but ours, Rumpelstiltskin, is at the Riverwalk Theater, oh, which okay. is, uh, it's on Museum Drive off of Michigan Avenue, right opposite the uh, Lansing Center. So it's uh, just maybe... Right next door to Impression 5 Museum. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've, uh, we've right. had them on the show as well. Same, uh, same parking yeah. lot as Impression 5 Museum. Just. <laughs> and, uh, and the shows are, we run for three weeks. We open the day after Thanksgiving, Friday nights at 7, and uh, Saturdays and Sundays both at 2 o'clock and 4.30, and it uh, lasts through December 9th. Hmm. So people can find out all the details at riverwalktheater.com. Be sure to spell theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. The correct spelling. River, riverwalktheatry.com. <laughs> and uh, 482-5700 is the phone number. And we do suggest reservations because sometimes it gets a little crowded. Hmm. But it's a nice close theater. The furthest row is maybe 25 feet back so that the kids can really be a part of it and uh, also we we have what what we lovingly call the petting zoo in the lobby afterwards <laughs> where we go out and and meet the kids and and it's really interesting to see especially younger kids like 4 or 5 years old are not quite sure if these really are witches and goblins and you know to see that they really are real people and the guy playing Rumpelstiltskin is quite wonderful he played the same role 17 years ago i directed this 17 years this ago. It's a revival. Yes, it's a revival. By, and, and now the kids who saw it are old enough to have kids of their own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we, we saw somebody. Uh, we did. Well, they, 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 they saw it when they were a kid, and they're going to bring their kid. Yeah, my, my daughter's bringing her. He's only about two. I don't really recommend it for two-year-olds, but we're <laughs> making an exception in, in his case. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun. As I say, it has an intermission, and the whole thing is maybe an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And... It's uh, it's a musical. We have a wonderful music director, Doug Austin, who has a the the John Young Memorial Keyboard, who which is the most magical thing any sound you can imagine can come <laughs> out of this keyboard. It's just one person up there, but I swear you never know what sounds are going to come along, and that's that's a lot of fun. So, and as Jane was saying too, you know about jokes for the adults. You know, it's kind of like. Some of the, a lot of the cartoons that are coming out these days that have been really popular. Like Shrek and those Yeah, all those always have things in there for grown-ups that kids may not necessarily even 
get, mm-hmm. but certainly it's more for kids. But and it's a similar kind of thing. There are little things thrown in there that obviously are aimed at the grown-ups. Sure. And so on. I think you'd you'd have to be considerate of your audience, and that's Absolutely. a great way to do that. But we made one kind of, uh, yeah. I don't know, controversial change. Oh. There was a joke that uh, Rumpelstiltskin is stirring up his brew, and he's putting all these evil things in it, and he used to say, canker sore and fever blister, novels by Joan Collins' sister. <laughs> but you know, nowadays, Jackie Collins' novels, you know, I'm just not sure a lot of people sure. would get that. Know, so so we, we altered that to a more current... A horrifying image, so people want to come and find out what what new evil thing <laughs> the new evil thing. that Rumpelstiltskin is putting One in I his think brew. People will get <laughs> yeah, a, little, a little more. No, of course, you got to get a little yeah. something to, yeah. to, to to whet their appetite, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so now, w- w- this is the, the production is going on sort of near the holiday time and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional, or is it just? Oh yeah, uh, we have had ever since uh, Riverwalk. This is the nineteenth season that Riverwalk Theater has been downtown at the Riverwalk Theater where it is. Bef- the the group is really named Community Circle Players, and mm. it was the same group that had the Okemos Barn. If people remember the Okemos Barn, which was torn down about 20-plus years ago. But it's the same group. And uh, so we have always had some children's shows, but this was the first, 17 years ago, was the first Stan Gill show. Uh, there were a couple witches gumbo and witches brew before that. <laughs> but we always do, at this time slot, for three weeks... Actually, the first Rumpelstiltskin was only two weeks, and it sold out, so that's when we started doing three weeks. So uh, we have some kind of a musical comedy for children by adults that opens the weekend after Thanksgiving. It's a lot of people make it a tradition and have been coming for years. You know, I wish they would come to all the rest of the shows, but, you know, if they come to the children's show... Well, come to Rumpelstiltskin, come stay to for the Rumpelstiltskin others. Come to Rumpelstiltskin, yeah, right, right. stay, come yeah. back. Actually, I think we're going to have a coupon to come to the future ones in, the, great idea. in the program, trying to get those grown-ups to return. Absolutely. So, uh, well, now, you, you mentioned that this, this particular production's been going on for, for many years. Why do you think that that's got that, that time? What's, what do you attribute that timeless quality to? What, this particular show? Yeah, or well, the, the story of Rumpelstiltskin or this show. It's a fairy tale. I mean, all the fairy tales are... Well, not all the, it's been a different one every year. Yeah. This is it's not... Yes, this is the... Well, this was done 17 years ago. We've mm. also done uh, Frog Prince, Cinderella, Jack Sleeping and the Beanstalk, Jack and the, the Emperor's Beanstalk. New Clothes, you know. Uh, the Elves even wrote a few. Shoe, Jane wrote yes, one I wrote Hansel one. and Gretel Meet Goldilocks. Oh. Yes, that <laughs> was quite interesting. interesting. Goldilocks was uh, was a guy. Uh, he was a rock singer, kind of a la David Lee Roth, <laughs> and he didn't treat his backup group, the Three Bears, very well. So that <laughs> that was... that was a little modification. But as I say, all these shows, since this first Stan Gill show, have been done in a... Even the ones that not written by Stan have been done in, in what we call a Stangillian way, and that's it's humor for the adults, chase scene, audience participation, relatively short, and you know it just seems to be a good formula, and also to bring the classic fairy tales or some version of them, because mm-hmm. I think that's sort of universal. Every you know parents remember them, and it creates a kind of a kind of a tradition. Also, we found that. Familiarity, some something recognizable, helps attendance. That if if people have heard of it, if they know something about it, they're more likely to come than if it's 
something they just don't have a clue about. Sure, so. sure. Now, uh, we just had on uh, Tom, uh, also from the Riverwalk Theater, Tom mm, Ferris, Tom putting Ferris. on uh, Maybe Baby, It's You. And, right. and he was mentioning kind of one of the unique things about Riverwalk is that the audience is, is right there. Like, there's not a whole lot of space between stage and no, audience. And this right. is that the case for, for Stiltskin as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's Absolutely. Well, the, the Maybe Baby people are at the Creole Gallery, which mm-hmm. is very small. But the Riverwalk Theater is what we call a thrust stage. So the stage sticks out into the audience. There's audience on three sides. Mm. And there's about, what would you say, G or H? How many rows is that? <laughs> uh, anyway, so it, the, the, it's sort of a, sure. like a stadium. The oh, seats yeah. go up, and there's there's maybe 10 or more rows. The seat's about 200 and... Two hundred and forty-seven seats. Almost oh, wow. two fifty. Yeah. But but it is close enough that you really you really can see the whites of their eyes. And I I've been to some of the All of Us Express children's shows, which are good. They're done by children. Actually, we have another one. The Jungle Book is being done by All of Us Express mm. at Riverwalk Theater later this season. But the, All of Us Express is by children, and often they'll perform at different school auditoriums where it's a proscenium stage and it's kind of far away and. And the kids, I don't think, can get quite as engaged when they're further away. You know, sure, you're not sure. right in it. Uh, another thing is the lighting at Riverwalk. And we particularly, we have a wonderful, Ted Daniel is our light designer, and he has quite an imagination. So when all our, our magic are turning straw into gold, and when Rumpelstiltskin comes in, there's twirly things and red lights. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a light show in its way, too. Oh, yeah. So that's another fun thing about Riverwalk Theater. Sure. Now, uh, you mentioned the chase scenes and all that, too. Mm-hmm. And given the, this kind of uh, how close the audience is, I mean, they're running out into the audience, oh, running yeah, around yeah. them, right? Oh, yes. That's, yes, that's that, true. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that could be a little risky. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, as I remember fun. from the first show, at one time, uh, Rumpelstiltskin is chasing the Miller's Maid, and, and a little boy stood up in the row and wouldn't let Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> go by. You know, he did eventually get around him, but, you know, usually... You uh, him to do it. No, <laughs> no, no. So, but, uh, and and uh, Riverwalk Theater is not that hard to find for its right... Uh, Museum Drive is right across from the Lansing Center, hmm. just almost down to the Capitol, just this side of the river, and uh, you turn south on mm-hmm. Museum Drive across from the Lansing Center and uh, all of the various museums, the Arioles Car Museum, the Surveyors Museum, uh, Impression 5, and Riverwalk Theater, which is not a museum, <laughs> is there on Museum Drive. So it's uh, not that hard to find. Just a few blocks from the Capitol, actually. So now uh, getting back to the, the this, this interactive element, mm. um, what, what sort of... Um, I don't want to say challenges, but like, how, how does how does the how do the actors feel about it? Let me put it that way. Well, uh, it's always a little bit of a challenge because you don't know whether the kids are going to be cooperative <laughs> or not. Usually, if there's a challenge, it's getting the first child up, and then once somebody has seen what's involved, then people are raising their hands and jumping up and down, wanting to do it. I know Mark was Mark was the the king and had to interview. Different princesses and princes from in the Frog from, Prince. In yeah. the Frog Prince, uh, you had to do that, and and then I was supposedly telling them, you know, where did you, where, where do you come? What's your name and where do you live? And then I would have to remember these <laughs> names <laughs> like three or four at a time. I'm getting a little old now. I don't know if I can still do it. <laughs> remember all those names. Yes. Well, we don't have uh, the Millers. But that's not in, in this show. No, in this show, do. the Millers maid has uh, has to. She's out in the forest trying to find out Rumpelstiltskin's name, and and she's she, and there's these forest creatures. She's trying to find out their name, and the, getting children up in the audience to 
sing a little song and guess the name of the animal and then see if the animal knows the name of Rumpelstiltskin. We can't really ask the kids about Rumpelstiltskin because you know they're going to tell. Of you know, course. they know the name of Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> so when the when the Millers made sort of forgets, you know, the mm. audience can remind her. So the audience is really rooting for her by the time that the. He comes to take that baby. <laughs> we must, uh, you know, be on the Miller's Maid side. So, so now uh, I'm kind of curious why why the revival of this show, as opposed to picking something new or well, something you haven't done before. That's a good question. Well, <laughs> the the original King and Queen, Bill and Lee Helder, mm-hmm. who are in Maybe Baby, as oh. as a matter of fact, uh, and and Bill was one of the pillars of Riverwalk from way back, and a former president of Riverwalk, and he and Lee. And Mark and I have been in, you know, one of the other of us in almost every children's mm-hmm. show for the last 17, well, actually 20 years, because Bill directed the two previous children's shows. So uh, they, this was the first musical they'd ever been in. They're not really in musicals, but they, they sang, they danced <laughs> as the king and queen. And, and they always had a soft spot in their heart for that. And it was kind of my turn to direct. So they kind of were saying, oh, do it again, do it again. And of course, the Rumpelstiltskin, Tim Lewis, is a sort of a small little wiry guy. He's not, he, you know, he's very short and he's, he's got a little thing with his arms where he's got short arms for some kind of a birth defect thing, but he's still he's a he's a wonderful actor, wonderful voice. But often his size and being a little weird is not an asset in trying out for different roles. Sure. But he is the perfect Rumpelstiltskin, and he just loves it. He gets such a kick out of it, and and he's very good with kids. He at one time worked as a crossing guard. He's very he'll you know out in the lobby afterwards. You know, right. even though they may be scared of him, you know, in the theater, he'll. He's very, very nice, you know. So now, does he does he come out still in costume out. and all that? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah we, all do. At the end okay. of the show, we all march out into the lobby, and, and kids can come up and Get talk, to, talk to him ever. <laughs> so, uh, you but know, that's, kids, that's kind of fun. Are the kids uh, still wary of him when, they, when well, he comes out? Well, a little bit, or? and I've well, we been in a lot of these. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a while. probably still would be. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I, I think so, but, but I've been a witch in quite a few of these, and, you know, they're a little wary at first, but... You know, I'm they, sure a few brave souls and, make it. And, then, and uh, I think <laughs> that the age where they're really three, four, five, you know, that's about the youngest I, I would. Uh, well, of course, people know their own kids, whether they and sometimes people have little brothers and sisters and particularly the daytime shows. You know, sometimes there are kids that are maybe a little young to see this. But, you know, <laughs> I had to get babysitters once upon a time myself. So <laughs> I, I can understand that. So. uh uh, but the the little ones are just they're a little more more wary and some more than others. Some of them will come up and you know jump on you or hug sure. you or whatever <laughs> you know. In fact, we had one little remember uh, Andrew. Uh, there was an ogre in Puss in Boots, and this little boy was maybe only two, but the, he and the ogre were having a roaring contest and they would roar back and <laughs> forth to each other. So sometimes, you know, depending on the kid, they'll sure. they'll really get into it. But oh, so it's yeah. almost like a third act of the show is the is the lobby and meeting the kids. So <laughs> well, I mean that that sounds like a kind of a perk for you well, guys to get to see this, to get to that, that, that is, extra level. It is level of and you know, sometimes it's a little tiring because you have to go back and do another show the same day. But sure. but uh, but it is it's fun too. So what else do you I mean personally speaking, what else what else about this particular production do you or are you getting at us what do, what do you like to about well i always like to work with doug austin who's a wonderful music guy and just a just a very positive good good teacher of music and a good musician and you know has a lot of ideas and you know nice 
people, you know, good. That's what I like about community theater in general mm-hmm. is, yeah, I think more than in any other activity that I know about, you know, there's sports teams or special interest groups or clubs that seem to attract the same type of people. But theater, you can have the young, old, fat, thin, pretty ugly, you know, wouldn't be caught dead on stage, you know, wouldn't, can't sew a scene. You know, there's people needed of such a wide variety uh, that it it brings together a very diverse group of people for the same project. And also, when life is sort of a little too much the same, it drives you crazy for about six weeks where you're rehearsing and you don't have enough time and then after it's over you can appreciate your free time so it's it's it it's sort of a life event it it makes life more interesting to kind of meet a whole new you have a whole new little family for the process of <laughs> rehearsal and uh, and it's uh, some very fun and interesting and different people and one sure. of the nice things about this particular show is that uh, everybody in it all the, all the actors none of them are are you know new to theater I mean, they're not all equally experienced, but sure. everybody has had some experience and kind of knows what what's required and learning your lines and projecting and doing all those things. They don't have to be taught to do these mm-hmm. things. And that's because not, you know, especially in community theater, sometimes, especially if it's a big cast, you're going to have some people probably who are just learning. Sure. And it's, you know, and it's nice to have new people, but it's it's more of a challenge yeah. you know, that way. A lot smaller learning curve, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now uh, I, I asked this question of, of our previous guest, John, from the uh, Children's uh, uh, Ballet Theater, as well as, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, no, Tom. Tom. Tom, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tom, Tom for, also from Riverwalk. And well, I'll get your, your opinion on this as well. What is it that you see that Riverwalk adds to the art community here in Lansing? Hmm. <laughs> well, in, in my somewhat prejudiced opinion, it's it's the best community theater. Hmm. And, so, in, in what and way? The, in, because it has its own. It's the only theater, actually, community or otherwise, that owns its own building. Hmm. And so, uh, each show has a little more time to rehearse on the stage where it is going to be performing. And the people who rent other spaces are limited somewhat by the availability of that space mm-hmm. and and the the upshot of that is in my also prejudiced opinion <laughs> better directors would rather direct at Riverwalk where they have more time and also they like that thrust stage where everybody is up close and right around the action whereas a proscenium stage you're further back and uh you know I just kind of like that setup and uh and Riverwalk has something going on all year round Mm-hmm. Riverwalktheater.com. Go see what it, <laughs> what what is happening. <laughs> and I think another nice thing about it too that's different is that uh, I mean there's some other good theaters around and more and more over these last few years, but um, Riverwalk has a has a diversity of the types of offerings that I think is much broader than almost any of the, any mm-hmm. of the theaters. Uh, we have musicals, we have children's shows, we have serious dramas. Uh, we do some yeah, classical the, things. The next show is adult language. Don't bring your kids. No, not yeah. Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> not R- Rumpelstiltskin. No, no adult no, language. No, no. Uh, but anyway, that that I think is one of the real distinguishing features of Riverwalk. Excellent. Well, uh, just in case anyone uh, tuned in late, you want to give the information again once more on no, when and where and how to where check it out. Where it is uh, Rumpelstiltskin at Riverwalk Theater, and it runs from Friday after Thanksgiving, November twenty second through December 9th, Friday nights at 7, 2 and 4.30, both Saturdays and Sundays. 
and the phone number for reservations, which we do recommend reservations, is 482-5700, mm-hmm. and the website is riverwalktheater.com. And that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Right. Very R-E good. The of, of theater. <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for coming by and tell us all about the show. And uh, best of luck with it. Uh, break a leg, I oh, suppose. Yes. <laughs> well, this has been Impact Exposure. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, of course, as, men- as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, if you've missed any of our segments, they are available on our website at impact89fm.org. We're going to switch gears now. We're going to uh, throw things over to the Progressive Torch and Twang, easily one of the best shows we've got here on the Impact. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back every Tuesday from 7 until 8 p.m. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.